Okay, I just want to take a quick minute and uh, introduce Brian Gornick, for those of you who don't know. Uh, if you haven't noticed, Bobby, Pastor Bobby has not been around uh, recently. He's on a much-needed vacation, so we're giving him some room to breathe. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to have somebody other than Bobby up here uh, bringing the word. And depending on your background, you might be thinking, well, how, how are we going to hear the word on Sunday morning if the pastor's not around? Um, so Nate, Bobby, and I, uh, the elders here at Soma Northwest, fully embrace that it is our primary responsibility for feeding this body of believers here. That does not mean that we are the only ones that you'll hear from on Sunday mornings. So we're, we're working hard to create space for uh, other folks who have the gifts of teaching to come up here and teach and bring the word to you. And Brian is one of those men. Uh, I know next week it's going to be Chris and then Tony is going to come up and bring the word. So um, if you don't know Brian, you ought to. Just a really wonderful guy. Uh, he's been a longtime member of SOMA, a longtime friend of the Dunleavies and some other folks here. I love Brian. He's, uh, he's got a state farm agency at 79th and Michigan if you need insurance or a job. Uh, they've also got some really delightful kids. If you've not had the pleasure of meeting the Gornick kids, um, they're probably over there helping doing something. Um, so with that, I'm going to uh, pass it off to uh, Brian. Thank you, Andrew. Good morning, everybody. It is really amazing to be able to be here up here this morning uh, just to open God's word with you and to be open to what God has to to share with us this morning. As we get started, let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, wow, you are so good. You are amazing. And God, I ask right now that as we open up your word, powerful words that are here that you have to share with us, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to your spirit to move, to help us identify those areas that we need to be paying attention to how we orient ourselves to your way, not our way, not the way of the world. Help us, God. We welcome your spirit. Pray this in your name. Amen. So um, as we've been working our way through Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount, whew, that is bright. Can, we, can you turn that off? Yeah, it's kind of like right in my eyes. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, David. Uh, we've been confronted with Jesus turning commonly held values on their heads, right? There are many religious, many cultural beliefs that we hold dear to without question. And Jesus, one by one, this up a little bit. Jesus, one by one, takes those and challenges those commonly held beliefs, telling us that his kingdom operates differently. You know, telling us that uh, his kingdom is different than what we're used to. It's different than what's natural to us. He drills down to the core of who we are and explains to us what it means to be a citizen in his kingdom, how we are to orient ourselves to his way. So the passage that we're going to be addressing over the next two weeks, actually, it's one uh, whole section, um, is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Um, we will be addressing today uh, verses 19 through 24. So Jesus now turns his sights on how we view money and wealth. And just the same way as he's addressed many other things here on the Sermon on the Mount, he does not do this in a superficial way. Okay, He goes to the core of the matter, our beliefs. And it's not an easy lesson. So in this arena, you know, there are many cultural words terms, ideas, 
concepts that influence and form our beliefs. Uh, some of those being um, words like poverty, words like the lower class, the lower middle class, the middle class, the upper middle class, the higher class. You know, what is poor? What is rich? Okay, what is wealth? Every culture defines that differently. So we have standards, right, uh, that, we, that we have ourselves here in the West, our Western world or in the United States, or standards of living that classify you. And where, where do those standards come from? What are we measuring ourselves against? Uh, most of you remember that well-known television show from the 90s. I think it's still on these days. Um, who wants to be a millionaire, right? That, I mean, that was like a cultural phenomenon. I mean, it would, this idea that someone could win a million dollars in a moment, right? And it, it enraptured us, you know, as a country. You know, and, and there's this idea, right? This, this arbitrary idea that, this, that we're all kind of like centered on. This million dollars, this millionaire, right? We have slum, slumdog millionaire. Even, even those that are, that are poor have this idea that, oh, if I can only become a millionaire by winning the lottery, right? And those that have and that can save are told that we need to save up to be a millionaire, to get a million dollars, you know, in retirement. Why? Well, well, because, you know, we get to do what we want to do. Do what who wants to do? Well, so we can be free. Free from what? Right? So we can be in control. Well, if that's the case then, then who's in control now? Right? So God has a lot to say about what he, how he wants us to view wealth and money, no matter where we are in that spectrum. You have a lot. You have some. You have little. What does Jesus say about how he views wealth, how he views money in his kingdom? How do we orient ourselves to that? So one of the big ideas that I want to help us kind of center our minds around is just a question. Okay, and, and Jesus, you know, hits it really hard in this section. You know, what kind of mindset do you have? And in what way do you view reality? Is it a here and now mindset or an eternal mindset? In other words, as Jesus will later say, who or what is your master? So we, we, turn, our, we turn here to verse 19. And Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. So let's get into some nuts and bolts here. What's Jesus saying here? The here and now mindset says that what you see is what you get. This is it. There's nothing left. There's nothing more. When you die, it's it. So get what you can. God says, life continues, but in a different way. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus is equating the tangible treasures that we have now. Treasures. Okay, so like what is that? Our assets, right? Money, physical money, what you got in your wallet. Digital money, whether that's just a 
you know, a, a figure on the screen in your bank account or Bitcoin or what have you. Your, your TV, your property, your cars, whatever that, that is of value, okay? Jesus is equating the tangible treasures that we have now to some tangible equivalent in heaven. So listen to me. We've just saying this. The resurrection is real. The resurrection is real. And I, and I have to spend time here. It seems like an elementary thing when it comes to the church, right? But this is, this is foundational, and we're going to spend some time here. We live in a culture that is so rational, so logical, efficient, and scientific that unless you, it can be measured, unless you can see it and feel it and touch it, it's not real. We as a Western culture disregard the immaterial, the spiritual. And this affects us as followers of Christ. If we aren't careful, our actions will follow our cultural beliefs and not those that Christ is sharing with us here. So I'm going to go to several other passages in the Bible here. And uh, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to spend a little bit of time here, because this is too important of an idea to pass by. 1 Corinthians 15 begins, and I'm going to skip around a little bit in this, this chapter. He says, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. 559. Page 559, thank you, in your, those Bibles uh, that are on your seats. Yeah, and anybody else that, I don't have the page numbers here, so you're going to have to, someone's going to have to scream that page number out. Starting in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. So we just talked about this, you know, a few weeks ago, Right? And we mourned you know, over uh, Good Friday. We celebrated Christ's resurrection on Easter. It's amazing. He goes on to say in verse 12, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now I'm not saying that any of us here in this room are saying that there's no resurrection, right? But what I am saying is that the culture in which we live so inundates us with messages of the material of the here and now, that that's all there is. We live our lives as if there's no resurrection. Yes, we do. Paul goes on to say in verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because he testi we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are most to be pitied. But in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen. 
We're going to skip on to verse 32. Paul here is saying, okay, if, if all that matters is this life only, okay, he's going to reflect on some of his own experiences. He says, what do I gain if, humanly speaking, the here and now mindset, okay? What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. This idea that the here and now is all there is isn't new. No, it's, not. it's not new. If that's all that matters, our faith is, is, is useless, is, is vain, is futile. But someone will ask, in verse 35, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So he's starting here to use a little metaphor. You know, what you sow, what you plant, okay? You, you, you plant, it's springtime, you planted some flowers probably, okay? People are, you know, farmers plant seeds. That seed dies and no longer is a seed, but grows into a different plant. And so Paul here is describing our physical bodies as a seed, right? When we, when we die, we put ourselves into the ground. Okay, you see the, you see the comparison? Uh, if you're cremated, right, those ashes are still going to get back into the ecosystem sometime. He says, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. What you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. In verse 42, so is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is planted can be wasted away, can be rotted, can be destroyed. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Yes. On to verse 50. Stick with me here, okay? I tell you this, brothers... Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, my beloved brothers, and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. The resurrection is real. In the Lord, your labor is not in vain. We just sang, the resurrecting king is resurrecting me. Yes, he is. Okay, let's stay deep here. 
We're going to stay on some of these foundational beliefs. Go with me to Hebrews 11.6. What page is that? Anybody? 584, page 584. The writer here is defining faith, okay, a little bit. How, how, what does it mean? He says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That God exists. That God is good. Yes. That he rewards those who seek him. Your labor is not in vain. No matter what I may have, own a house, rent a small little apartment, have a BMW or a a 91 Civic, have, have to take public transportation or walk, be secure in my financial future or wonder what's going to happen tomorrow or next month, that one, that God is real. Yes. I can't see you, God. I can't touch you. I can't measure how tall you are. But God, you are real. Yes. I may not feel it. For some of us, it gets to the point where we can't feel that God is, is real. But we, have, we get to the point where we have to say, God, I choose to believe yes. that you are real. And not only is he real, but that as I struggle to do what God wants me to do, that as I struggle to be what God wants me to be, no matter what's in my bank account, that my labor is not in vain, yeah. that God is good. I may have to choose to believe that, but I choose to believe it. Do not lay up treasure on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, for your labor is not in vain. There's a subpoint here that is important to highlight as we think about laying up treasures on earth. Okay? And uh, we're going to turn to James chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And it uses a word, rich. 587. Page 587. And I want to caution you on how you define rich, okay? Especially in light of, you know, historical and current cultural references to what rich means. It's really easy to say that somebody else is. He says, come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Your, your gold and silver have corroded. And their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. But lay up for yourselves 
treasures in heaven. 1 Timothy 6. Paul is talking to Timothy, a leader in the church. He says, he's, hey, this is what you do as a leader. These are the things you've got to focus on. And, he, and he's exhorting him in a certain manner. He says, 577. He says, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ in the teaching that accords with godliness, godliness, what I do and who I am. Okay, am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I, am I being who God wants me to be? Okay. If he doesn't do that, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Imagining that all I got to do is some ritual. All I got to do is something and, and I'm going to get something in the here and now. That what is on the outside is all that matters. What people see. He goes on to say, but godliness with contentment is great gain. The eternal mindset. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth because you're not taking anything with you. Amen. You've been to a funeral before, right? Have you ever been to an open casket funeral? I don't know, maybe it was a loved one. And did you ever bring yourself to actually touch the body? Wow. You know, just a few days or a week before maybe you were talking to that person and the skin is just so dead their eyes are dead everything's just like it's not there nothing is there we are not taking anything with us the here and now says well then live it up because there's nothing left after that God says lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven so back to 1 Timothy he goes on to say but if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What does that mean? Jesus is going to be bringing in a couple metaphors here. Okay, he doesn't literally mean this bloody pulsing muscle is going to be sitting next to this new TV that I just bought, right? No. 
You know, the, the heart is the center of our passions, our love, our vision, our direction, right? Yeah. And he's going to go on and unpack that a little bit. So, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He explains, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? We may say we believe one thing, but what do our actions reveal? You've heard it said, do as I say, not as I do, right? We are so inundated with so many messages from our culture, from the, the day that we're born to the time that we die. You know, when you think of just all of the advertisements that we see, whether we're these banner ads that we see when we're surfing or when we're watching TV, these commercials, radio, billboards, whatever it is, hey, use this deodorant and you're going to be so satisfied because the women are going to be all over you, <laughs> right? Hey, be seen with this car because then you're going to have true respect. Your, your life will be right, Right? All of these messages are inundated to us every single day. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? It's easy to say things. It's hard to do them. When it comes time to act on our stated beliefs, that's the moment when everything is revealed. Do your actions demonstrate what you believe? Ask God to reveal to you the false beliefs that are under the surface, to reveal to you what your actions say about your beliefs. Is your vision, is your mindset on the here and now, or are you focused on the eternal? Are you focused on what's important to God? He goes on to elaborate about that darkness and how deep it can be what those beliefs are truly declaring. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Did you hear that? He will love the one and hate the other, be devoted to the one or despise the other, you will serve money and hate God as a master. You will put him beneath your feet and tell him he won't control you. You will despise God as a master and use him as a tool to accomplish your ends and what money tells you to do. Or you will love God and hate money as a master. You will put money beneath your feet to serve God. You will use money as a tool to accomplish what God directs you to do. You cannot serve both God and money. Amen. Money says, all right, you got me now. Careful, I can leave you. So hold on to me. When I'm gone, I'm gone. You won't have me anymore. God says, once you have me, I'm with you forever. Money says, keep me, keep me at all costs, or make me into something else of value. God says, I am the Lord your God. You can't make me into anything else, for I am sufficient. Praise the Lord. 
Money says, trust me, for I will fulfill your needs in this life. God says, trust me, for I will fulfill your needs forever. Money says, you need me to avoid pain, to buy that entertainment so I don't feel lonely. To use your money to get away from the uncomfortable. God says, I don't promise a painless life, but I will hold you until we are face to face when I promise that I will eviscerate all pain. Money says, you you need me so you won't suffer in life. I can make life easy for you. God says, I ask that you take up your cross daily. Money says, I can give you power. God says, my power is made perfect in weakness, so boast in your weaknesses. Money says, I can give you control over your life, over others. Protect yourself. God says, who made the heavens? Who made the seas? The great creatures on the earth, the stars and planets in the sky. You cannot serve both God and money. This is true. Hear me now. Whether you have or you have not, it doesn't matter what you have in your bank account. It doesn't matter if you feel financially secure or you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You cannot serve both God and money. I know. I, I grew up poor. I've worked and lived in one of the worst neighborhoods in the country, in the inner city of Philadelphia and around the slums of Buenos Aires. Believe me, as, as someone who grew up poor, you know, I, I had something, and boy, was I holding on to it, right? Yeah. Anybody that would look cross eyes at it, I'd be like, watch out, buddy. <laughs> My mind was dominated about what I had and what I needed to keep. Yeah. I knew what it represented. You cannot serve both God and money. This is true for those who have and those who have not. The very next passage here says, therefore. And Chris is going to get there next week. He says, all of this, all of that is there for this coming reason that he's going to explain. Okay? So my questions for you today is, where, where is your vision? Where is your heart? What is, what is your mindset? Who or what is your master? What do your actions reveal about what you really believe? Church, believe. Believe that when you seek God, your labor is not in vain. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for God is good. He rewards those who seek him. That as I struggle to do what God wants me to do and be who God wants me to be, my labor is not in vain. For you are good God and you reward those who seek you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that this truth would penetrate our hearts in these days. There are those of us out here who have nothing, not very much. There are those of us out here who have a lot. God, I pray that this truth would penetrate all of our hearts and reveal to us where we are at 
to combat these cultural beliefs that are, that are warring to define our lives. God, we want your truth to define our life. God, we want our actions to reflect what we believe about you, about the resurrection. God, we want to lay up treasures in heaven. We trust you, God. We know that is true because you are good. Help us to know what to do with our wealth. Help us to know what to do when we lack anything. God, we love you. And we give you all that we have. It is yours. We pray this in your name. Amen.